Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Family Faith and the Village podcast. My name is Steve Miller, and I am, as always, here with Zachary Waugh. And uh, we're excited today to continue to bring you content uh, related to building faith at home, related to how we um, keep uh, our children, our young people, maybe even older people in our congregations as, as studies and statistics show that, uh, that people uh, just in alarming numbers are drifting away from churches right now. Uh, we hope to give you a, a little time every Thursday to, to reflect on that and think about how we might impact and, and make a change. So Zachary, with that, I think uh, today's episode, again, not necessarily part of a series or anything, but, uh, but maybe a one-off little bit about uh, last week. We talked about how to get a devotional going in your family at home. Um, and today, I guess maybe we're going to look at, okay, you've started a devotional, but there's a lot of stuff in there, or maybe you've started a, a daily Bible reading plan with your family. There are a lot of things you're going to come across that might seem hard to apply, might seem unapplicable in today's world, or um, just don't know quite how they mesh up and, and maybe how we how we get over some of those hurdles as you do that family devotional or that family scripture reading. Some of the plans that you may have started in your family de- devotional are simply plans to kind of read through the Bible. And maybe some of those passages that you get to, even if you've done a little bit of homework before the family devotional, you get to it and you read it and it just doesn't make that much sense. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't make sense in your mind, odds are that it's not going to make sense in your children's mind either. So the question, like Steve said, how do you apply seemingly inapplicable scripture? Or what do you do about those passages, those stories that just don't make sense? So I wrote down just a few different examples uh, in scripture where it's just, Okay, one, the first one that I want to reference is just a question, what am I supposed to do with this? The second one is, what does it mean? And then the third one is just, uh, it's one of the more brutal stories of the Bible. And it's just like, why is that in there? What can I get out of it, if anything? Uh, And what does this mean uh, for the rest of the book uh, and for the rest of, of the Bible? And The first thing I wrote down was uh, 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles. So if you just turn to 1 Chronicles and you open up your Bible and you're going to read through the Bible uh, or you found your way to this passage in your family devotionals, you look at it and it's just names. The first six or seven chapters are literally just names. No stories at all. Actually, the first... Uh, let's see, nine chapters. Names, names, names. And for us, you and I reading that, I'm not sure if we can really get anything out of that. And you know the prayer and apply it to our lives. I don't think there's really anything in there that quote unquote applies to our lives. So I wrote down, what do you do with passages like this? And I just put context, context, context. Exactly. It's important, especially in this. So the context of First Chronicles is that this is one of the uh, last books written in the Old Testament. It doesn't fit that way in where we have it placed. 
but this was actually most likely written after uh, Judah has been exiled to Babylon. So this is after Daniel and the lion's den. They're coming back, and that's when most scholars believe this was written. And First and Second Chronicles, they highlight all the good. David is the star. David and Solomon, those are the two star uh, characters of these of these two books. And it starts by taking us the genealogy from Adam and then through to David. And then it goes through the tribes of Israel and different things like that. But it's just a brief history. Uh, just shows us how we got from here to David and what good David did. So when you look at it in the context of when it was written, they're trying to start a whole new nation that had just been exiled their temple had been destroyed. You know, Jerusalem, the walls had been torn down. They're trying to rebuild. They're trying to refocus themselves. And that kind of makes a little bit more sense when you look at it like that. Absolutely. And you bring up two words there, context and history, that I think jump out. And, and honestly, some of the biggest points that I had um, in today's conversation come back to the fact that while nine chapters worth of names there is hard for us to find an applicable thing maybe that we're going over with our family. But in context, when you put those names into history, and I think this is a common theme, when we get to a lot of these type of passages in the Bible, they point to a historical accuracy and aspect of the Bible. Um, when we have nine chapters worth of names, you, uh, you said scholars, Zachary, believe kind of based on when it was and when it was written, but it's not necessarily just biblical scholars at that point, because these names tie in right. to historical figures yep. at that time. Um, one of the ones for me, um, and actually there's a few examples, you look at the book of Leviticus and the number of things in Leviticus that you can just read through and be like, why, how do I apply the context even of how you're supposed to wash before coming in contact right. with someone who's passed away, Yep. right? And there's there's entire sections that are about that. And how do you make that applicable to your life and your family's lives until you understand that that is hundreds, if not thousands of years before science would come along and essentially give us a process for making soap or a protocol for being around infected people who passed away, disease-ridden areas. And then then you go back and understand that context. And again, that genealogy you read gives great um, credence to the historical accuracy of the Bible. Well, now Leviticus is giving us some scientific accuracy in the Bible that, um, to me, that's I find that a lot with scriptures that maybe it's hard to apply. Or in Job, when it's talking about the water and the way that it moves and from the clouds, and then we learn about a water cycle, and then science gives us a different answer. To me, I've found a lot of encouragement looking back on scriptures that I didn't think necessarily applied or maybe they were thrown in there and then in a different context when i understand wow 
That little passage in Job is exactly yeah. what we teach all our kids about right. how water and how the earth right. renews itself. Yes. And again, it was in there before science necessarily gave us right. the description. So um, so those, that's one way that I think um, we've been able to apply. I and myself and my personal study have been able to apply some of the things that, that seem inapplicable is they apply to the scientific accuracy, the historical accuracy, just the overall accuracy of God's inspired word. And it's it's just second to none. It amazes Absolutely. me every time I dig in. Yeah. And typically when you dig into that kind of stuff, you end up in these type of passages. Right. And, uh, and so I would say um, knowing that context, yep. not just of when it was written, but how it may be um, looks when we look back on it. Yeah, um, is is pretty important as well in these passages. Absolutely, and I know you've mentioned the dimensions of the ark, of Noah's ark, and they're the same dimensions used to build ships. Right today. Yeah, um, Apologia Express is a company that does a lot of neat stuff with yeah. science. They actually put out Discovery, which is a little almost like weekly reader, like you used to have in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but they put that out monthly for uh, children and youth. And yeah, they point they do a great study on that. The fact that you know, why did the Noah have to build everything so specific? And then now, thousands of years later, if you go get an engineering degree from MIT, the ratios that computers would spit out for that boat match God's math. I mean, it's just awesome. But again, yeah. it's easy to read through that and be like, okay, he's saying what kind of wood and he's saying how long and how do you teach that to your kids? Except maybe then you go back once you have those little pieces of knowledge and say, hey, I just learned this. That same ratio, and and I should know it off the top of my head, but I don't. But if it's three to one to two in width and height and length is what you use still in shipbuilding today. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. It is. It's truly amazing. There's so many passages. And like you said, a lot of the passages where you'll find things like that, the scientific things that later on you know, it's some great discovery that was introduced in the Bible thousands of years ago. They're hidden in these passages surrounded by stories or texts that we seldom read because they're very difficult yep. to understand. Uh, and, and maybe that's that's one thing that we should just point out is, is just to read it. You know, it, it may not make sense. You may not get something out of it, but... Read it. I think that's that's probably we could conclude today's episode yeah, yeah, right there. Right like, how do you teach? How do you talk about um, the things that seem not applicable or don't apply to today or to the church or to whatever it may be? You just have to read them. You still have to go through it. You still have to take a little bit of time to uh, to discuss them with your family. Um, I think another huge one is. Um, we, all through the Old Testament, we see examples of sacrifice and yeah. and how the sacrifice is supposed to be done and why. And But it's always tied into, to, you know, that animal or that perfect thing. And again, it's easy to skip over that. It's easy to be like, yeah, but we have Christ. So we're not worried about how we were supposed to sacrifice this animal or that, you know. And yet, really, all of those things are leading up and teaching us 
what Christ was going to do. The unblemished, the without sin was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. And so, uh, again, sometimes it's easy to skip over some of those things that seem more traditional, ritual. How would, you know, we're not sacrificing animals to God today. But that's because of the sacrifice that God made on our behalf. Right. You know, and being able to tie things like that in, I think, um, are huge. So many scriptures in the New Testament that we see that reference writings of the Old Testament. Yeah. I mean, think about even in their time, that didn't make sense. The prophecy. Right. It was confusing. Yeah. It was. It, it wasn't clear. So we now, we get a little bit better picture. And yet we still find ourselves confused. So we still have to go back to the same yeah. things. Yeah. Um, why the law was written the way it was. Why it had to be um, Christ to fulfill it. Absolutely. Those are all great things. I saw a Bible not too long ago. You know, most Bibles in the New Testament, anytime that there's a quote of Scripture from the Old Testament, it'll give you a footnote uh, or something like that. This Bible actually had that in the Old Testament as well. So every time you read through something in the Old Testament that was later used by Jesus or by the Hebrew author or something like that in the New Testament, it was referenced in the Old which helps so much. I don't know right. why every Bible doesn't do that, to be honest. But, yeah, it's a great point. There's so many connections between the New and the Old. Because think about it. When this New Testament was written, when Jesus was on earth, when all the apostles were living, their Bible was the Old Testament. Correct. That was their scripture. That was their Bible. And, of course, they're going to you know, uh, use it. And so many times... The very confusing passages of the Old Testament have a whole new context and meaning once we read them. Exactly. You know, after the New Testament. Yeah. It helps clear it up quite a bit. Uh, this second passage, Steve, I wanted to read this. Luke chapter 14, Jesus talking here, verses 25 through 33. But I'll just, I'll just read this first part. It says this, uh, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, and here it is, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So, if you're reading this in a family devotional, especially the younger crowd, right. wait, Jesus, he's all about love, right? Jesus, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Now Jesus says to hate my parents, hate my brother and sister. This has got to cause much confusion. It still does in adults. It's, exactly. It's still a question, maybe second to none, maybe a few of those things in the Old Testament, like why we need nine chapters worth of genealogy bring up questions. But this one... I mean, it's a huge one. It is. It is. And you read this, and you read some of the context, and from my best understanding and what I've heard taught by people is nothing, nothing should come between you and Christ, you and God and following and living uh, His will and doing His will. And if a mother or a father comes in the way of that, 
it's time to move them to the side so that your path is cleared to follow Jesus. Now, this is really that attention getting lead, right? Like really, if it reads, you can't love anything more than God. Yeah. Well, maybe something gets lost in that translation. When it says you must hate in order, it's not a lot of gray area. I mean, it's saying what comes first. Exactly. But it is, as you teach children, and and as I said, as you teach adults, it's, here we have hate in, in the words of, of love, of, of yep. God's Savior, yeah. God's Son. Yeah. Steve, you had brought up a few weeks ago when we were in the middle of our faith building series, and maybe it was during the junior high week where the resource that you gave people was a concordance. Yep. And a concordance here is another great tool when you're struggling with things that you don't understand. You can get through so much of the Bible probably without, and maybe you should get through so much of the Bible without any commentaries, yep. studies, additional devotionals. It, right. it speaks better for itself than anything else can. Absolutely. But when you hit these passages, when you get to something with your family or with your personal study that makes you go, I just don't get it. The concordance, the Bible dictionary, um, a parallel Bible, maybe that has a couple of translations right yep. in front of you. That I believe these are the the passages and the scriptures that these resources are made for. Because when it comes down to it, you know, even in a children's lesson, uh, some of our children's classes right now, I've done quite a bit with the fruit of the spirit and how all those things exist in one and when we have those things, we're doing what God calls us to do. And against those things, there is no law. It's You don't need a lot of commentary or a lot of history to understand the context of so much of God's word. Right. But don't hesitate to use it when flags go up or questions come up. Um, there's also not just uh, commentary, but I guess it's, is there more of a, topical um, studies that go along with the Bible, topical parallel things that give you a lot of context as to what was going on in that time in the world, which I think sheds a lot of light on the scriptures that we today in 2021 find confusing. When you understand what the world looked like then, it really helps you apply. And then the amazing thing is um, there isn't really any scripture that's not applicable and making that going into it with that understanding um, changes how you study the Bible changes, how you teach it to other people. Um, One of the other, the only other one that really we haven't touched on and it's more broad. um, But again, it's hard when you're teaching kids about a golden calf and about idols. Um, they don't see golden calves in the streets of Texas or Oklahoma or wherever you may be listening. Yeah. So when we start getting figurative and literal, when we start understanding that, to your point um, from the previous passage, when we start letting other things take a higher priority than God, it's an idol, no matter what it's formed, no matter what it's made of. And so 
Um, that's one thing we've talked about a lot in in our studies as a family. And when we get to idols, that's just a different concept until you break it down. Well, well, in 2021, money is an idol. Time, um, our schedule, our activities, a lot of those things in and of themselves aren't bad, but when they start replacing or filling a, a spot that was reserved for God and God's will in us, then it becomes that struggle. And so again, context kind of helps us with the application there and understanding um, the topical things of the Bible, I think also help you. Right. Absolutely. One thing I wrote down, and I had actually heard this in another podcast, uh, and I've been doing it in my personal quiet time. It's just a simple acronym that kind of helps you break down any chapter you're reading or a couple chapters that you're reading. The acronym is HEAR, H-E-A-R. And the first letter, the H, stands for highlight. So just go through highlight. If you don't like to mark up your Bible, you can just write down uh, what verses stand out to you. They may not be verses that are particularly um, ones that you just think you should have memorized and stuff, but just ones that stand out to you in whatever way that means. And then the second letter, E, is for explain. Explain what's going on in the passage. Maybe in light of what you read the day before, uh, how does that make sense? What is going on? Kind of just a summary of what you just read. The A in here stands for apply. Apply this to your life. So you've highlighted, you've explained, now you can apply. Uh, what can I learn from this? And then the final letter R is for respond. You could write out a prayer. Uh, you could say, what am I going to do? How am I going to change my life because of what I read today? And in my experience, that's been a super helpful tool. Uh, just really, it just makes you really dig in and try to find something in those passages that are otherwise very difficult, uh, very difficult to learn anything. Um, I, I'm working on a lesson right now and it's, I'm using the story, uh, Jesus and Peter walking on the water. I could go, there's literally 30 different directions you could go with it. There's a story here, there's a story here, a, a teaching point here and there. But some passages aren't like that. Right. And this acronym really, I've found, has helped me quite Draws a that stuff yeah, out. Yeah, draws it out. And that's, and I think, um, just to kind of go back on a lot of stuff that we've already said, that drawing out, that taking a little more time, digging a little deeper, um, being in the Word and talking about these things, even if you don't have the exact answer, especially with your kids, to say, well, let's let's keep reading. Let's keep looking in our Bible and see why it says that. Let's see if we can figure out why. Um, Zachary mentioned earlier footnotes. Uh, man, utilize those references in your Bible. Almost every Bible has some sort of uh, reference even built right into it. Um, and, and when you really start jumping around reading those, it's amazing how some of the dots connect as well. Yeah, absolutely. One more passage that I was wanting to bring up, and it's a passage that often I hear uh, brought up when talking about just, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it, and this whole book doesn't really make sense. And I'm talking about the book of Judges. 
Judges is a very violent book. Brutal. Brutal book. And the ending of the book is particularly brutal, especially chapter 19. So just a brief, brief summary of it. There's a Levite. He comes to Gibeah, to the city, uh, or, or to this person, Gibeah. Um, and the men of the city, they do unspeakable things to the Levite's concubine, and she ends up dying. So the Levite, seeing what uh, these people from Gibeah have done, he decides to take her and limb by limb, in 12 pieces, he cuts her up and sends her body parts to the 12 tribes of Israel. And they do that, and he does that so that they, so that the country, the nation of Israel, will know what they have done uh, and be filled with outrage. And in verse, uh, verse chapter 6 of chapter 20, it says, this is the Levite explaining what he had done. He says, so I took my concubine and cut her into pieces and sent her throughout the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed abomination and outrage in Israel. Behold, you people of Israel, all of you, give your advice and counsel here. It's just one of those passages that, oh man, it's just, I really wish it wasn't in the Bible, if I'm being honest. And it's another one of those passages that, it's just, what do you, what do you do with all these stories? There's stories pretty similar to, to this, uh, scattered throughout the Old Testament. And I think every time I've read one of these stories, it never seems to fail that a chapter before or a chapter after, it talks about all the evil that has been in the nation of Israel. So if you go back all the way to Genesis, before the flood, one of the most catastrophic, the most catastrophic event in Earth's history, right? And right before the flood, it said that every inclination of the heart of humans were always evil all the time. Yeah. It's one of those phrases that doesn't litter. It just, how is that possible? Every thought was evil all the time. So, and, and in this passage, you read that in verse, or in chapter 19 of Judges. And then a couple chapters later, it talks about how in the entire land of Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king. And they sin continually, and they're in this cycle where it's it's horrible evil until a judge is delivered and they save. And it's this idea of rescue, and then these people turning their hearts on God. And it's just this pattern over and over. But when you're just reading that story by itself, without the full context of the judge system and the cycle of judges, right. it's so hard to understand what what is God wanting us Why? to do with this? Why is it in there, right? Yeah. And, and but I think you've touched on all of it. When you understand the how far society falls, how lost they are, and a judge comes along, and not just a judge comes along and things get better, but as far as they fell, there was still redemption, right? Right. And at the end of Judges, as bad as the world had gotten there, as bad as the world had gotten in Noah's time, God still sees fit to 
over and over and over again give us an opportunity. So, so context, again, we can't say it enough. The understanding the whole Bible helps you understand right. the little pieces. Right. So don't, um, don't get discouraged. Don't hit these spots like Zachary's already kind of mentioned and stop reading and stop studying. Power through it, you know, whatever the sports terminology may be at the time to, to, to keep your drive, keep your head up um, and really get through to that next passage where you see redemption. Get through that next passage where you see, wait, there's a sacrifice greater than anything laid out in the Old Testament. Get through the passages where you understand the Bible and science exist not only together, but they explain each other when you really dig into some yeah. of these things. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I would say, know the context, use the resources, and don't stop just because you get to some of these passages. Yeah. Because it may not be the next day. It may not be that night with your family. There are stories throughout the Bible that I may be preparing a lesson or a Bible class and I learned something new or I realized something yeah, new. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right? even in 20 some odd years of studying. Yeah. So so don't stop. Uh, don't let this be the excuse to, to hang up the family devotional or to hang up the family scripture reading. Uh, use these times and build off of them. And, and that creates that deeper faith that hopefully is a lasting faith. We hope that this podcast was very beneficial to you. And we hope that you'll be encouraged to persevere with whatever you're reading through in the <laughs> exactly. Bible and just keep moving forward. And like we said last week, and like we'll continue to say, doing something is so much better than just being stagnant and doing nothing at all. We'll be with you next week, next Thursday, and we'll continue this podcast. And we thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you like this podcast, remember to share it with your friends, family. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, I think one more. Audible. Audible. Yeah. Amazon Podcast. Uh, and we'll talk to you again next week.